If you have it, and I hope you do, please take your Bible and turn with me in that Bible to the book of Proverbs. It is there after the book of Psalms. It is a book of wisdom, a book of sayings, both short and long, that seek to teach the people of God wisdom. So today we are in Proverbs chapter 1, and we will begin in verse 20, when we will go through verse 33 as a warning against rejecting wisdom or a call to choose for yourself today. So hear these words from the book of Proverbs, chapter 1, beginning in verse 20. Wisdom calls aloud in the street. She raises her voice in the public squares. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. In the gateway of the city, she makes her speech. How long will you simple ones love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? If you had responded to my rebuke, I would have poured out my heart to you and made my thoughts known to you. But since you rejected me when I called and no one gave heed when I stretched out my hand, since you ignored all my advice and would not accept my rebuke, I will turn and laugh. I will in turn laugh at your disaster. I will mock when calamity overtakes you. When calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster sweeps over you like a whirlwind, when distress and trouble overwhelm you, then they will call to me, but I will not answer. They will look for me, but will not find me. Since they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord, since they would not accept my advice and spurned my rebuke, they will eat the fruit of their ways. And be filled with the fruit of their schemes. For the waywardness of the simple will kill them. And the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will live in in safety. And be at ease without fear of harm. Let us pray. God help us to hear today. Help us to hear the call that we have here in these words From the book of Proverbs. Open our eyes so that we might see folly and wisdom. Open our ears so that we might hear wisdom's call. And open our hearts so that we might be changed and turn at her rebuke. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Choices have consequences. I'll say that again because I rushed it. Choices have consequences. We saw last week as we considered the Father's word to the Son to remember the instruction, the discipline, and the teaching that the Son, that the child had received from his parents. We saw that choosing folly over wisdom can lead to death in this life. We will see today that choosing folly over wisdom not only has consequences here, but has eternal consequences as well as we consider wisdom's call and wisdom's consequences. First, wisdom's call. In this section, we see a beginning of a pattern that Solomon will go through here and also specifically in chapter 8 of the book of Proverbs, but really kind of throughout this first section of Proverbs where he personifies wisdom. He gives wisdom feet and words to proclaim to the world around him, to the community around him or her. 
Wisdom is personified as a woman here simply because of the way the Hebrew language is structured in that nouns and adjectives are assigned gender. Why? I don't know. That's the way it is. But for some reason, Hebrew and similar languages, they have genders assigned to nouns and adjectives. The most the easiest one to see is Spanish today, especially with um, the, the adjectives in there. If you're referring to a female or to a female noun, you have different adjectives in Spanish than you do if you're referring to a male or a male noun. And like the cultures around them, when they person- personified concepts or ideas, the Hebrews took the concept of wisdom, which comes to us in the form of a feminine noun, and they personify wisdom as a female. No agenda there. No point to be made. It's just simple, simply a literary uh, uh, concept that was used throughout the ancient Near East. But wisdom is personified. And in today's passage, the personified wisdom gives us a call. And as we look at the call of wisdom, we want to look at who she cries to and how she cries out. First, who does she cry to? She cries out to the simple. She calls to the simple. We see this in verse 22. How long will you simple ones love your simple ways? The simpleton or the simple one in the book of Proverbs is not someone who is mentally deficient. It is someone who is young and yet has been taught. What has the simple one been taught? What's well, been the instruction, the discipline and the teaching of the parents? The simple one in the book of Proverbs is one who is at a point in their life where they have been taught all that they need to know to live a wise life, but have not yet begun to apply the teachings that they have been given. We see this in the church oftentimes as young people come to that point in their life where they have lived under the faith of their parents and yet come to a point in their life where they must choose for themselves to follow Jesus or not, where it becomes their own choice. That is the simple. The simple one has been taught by their parents a wise, the, the, the principles of living a wise life and but yet have not had an opportunity to make those choices on their own. And the simple one here that wisdom cries out to is beginning to spread their wings, is beginning to stretch their legs, and is making wrong choices, is making a choice that proves that they love the simple life rather than the life of wisdom. And there's a danger in that. And part of wisdom's call is warning them of the danger that that is the beginning of a path that leads to a place that they will not like. It's a path marked at the beginning by simpleness, in the middle by foolishness, and at the end by mockery. The fool is the simple person who has walked long enough in the ways of the simple to begin to desire folly, to begin to desire the opposite of wisdom. And the mocker who delights in mockery is the one who has walked that path long enough to take pride in the fact that they have turned their back on wisdom. 
And they mock those who seek to follow wisdom. And part of wisdom's call here is a warning to the simple. Beware, because if you begin walking this path, there is an end to the path that takes you further and further away from the way of the wise. It's marked by pride. It's also marked by a love for folly, a love for the opposite of wisdom. And reminds us as well that love is not merely an emotional response, but a willful and active choice to turn our back on wisdom and to follow folly. So if wisdom cries out and calls to the simple, what is her call? Her call is a twofold call. Firstly, it's a call to repentance. Verse 23, if you had responded to my rebuke, other translations, we would see if you had turned at my rebuke. The word translated responded in the original language is a word of repentance. It's the idea of turning from one path of life away from that path and turning toward another. It's what we are called to when we are called to repent in the New Testament and also in the Old Testament. If we are walking the way of folly, wisdom cries out to us and says, turn around and walk in the ways of wisdom. But the call is not merely a call to repentance, a call of turning away, but it's a call toward turning toward the fear of the Lord. We saw in verse seven of chapter one that the fear of the Lord is the foundation, the beginning of knowledge, the beginning of wisdom. And what we are to turn from when we follow folly is choosing not to fear the Lord and turn toward choosing to fear the Lord. Wisdom here tells us that following folly is not only hatred of knowledge, but is a willful and disobedient choice to turn our back on God. Because God not only gives wisdom, but God is wisdom. God is wise. He is the definition. And if if fearing the Lord is the foundation of living a wise life, choosing folly is turning our back upon God. We either choose to fear God or we choose folly, choosing to turn our back upon Him. But what is the nature of this call? We have seen that wisdom calls to the simple. We have seen that wisdom calls out for repentance and turning toward the fear of the Lord. But how does wisdom make her call? Does wisdom cry out in the still small voice? No, at the beginning of our passage today, we see that wisdom cries aloud. Wisdom shouts in the streets. Wisdom is walking up and down outside of your house proclaiming her message at the top of her lungs. She makes her way to the public square, to the marketplace where commerce is done. And she screams at the top of her lungs, turn, repent and fear the Lord. She goes into the gateways of the city, the place where government is done. And she cries out at the top of her voice, turn, repent 
and fear the Lord. We're told in Romans chapter one that everything we need to know about God and where we stand before God is evident and plain in creation. Wisdom cries aloud in creation. Wisdom cries aloud in the scriptures. Wisdom cries aloud from the pulpits of churches who seek to fear and honor God and says, repent and turn toward the fear of the Lord. It's a loud cry. It's a public cry. And it's a cry that leaves us without excuse. It's a cry that we cannot stand before God and say, hey, you know what? I never heard wisdom. She didn't say a whole lot to me as I was walking through the light on my life. God will say, have you considered the mountains? Have you considered the suns? Have you considered my revelation in science and in and in the weather and in the flowers and in the animals? And in the way the world works. Wisdom cried aloud to you in every part of your life. Did you hear? And so we are left with the choice. Do we answer wisdom's call or do we ignore it? But wisdom not only has a call, wisdom also has consequences. Just like your choices and my choices every day of our life come with consequences. Some consequences good, some consequences bad. There's a consequences to responding to wisdom's call and consequences to ignoring it. For the one who repents, for the one who hears wisdom's call and turns toward the fear of the Lord. It's important for us to understand the storms of life will rage. And yet what is given to us in the midst of those storms is safety, ease, and a lack of fear. Safety is confidence in the midst of the storm. Ease is peace and contentment in the midst of the storm. And without fear is, well, being without fear in the midst of the storm. Here are these words that Paul wrote to the church of Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Beginning in verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body, given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body, so that when death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. And then down to verse 16, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Paul says in another place there in 2 Corinthians that he and his companions despaired oftentimes even unto death. 
And yet in that despair, he knew that there was peace, there was confidence, and there was a lack of fear because of the work that Jesus had done on his behalf. Because of the hope that Jesus brought to him, that the glory that awaited him made these light and momentary troubles. And I want to make sure you hear that. We despaired unto death. And it was a light and momentary trouble because of the glory that awaits us. We had no fear. We had confidence. We had peace in the midst of almost dying. Because we chose to fear God at that call. And Jesus honored that choice to turn and to fear God with confidence, with peace, and with a lack of fear. But what about those who reject wisdom's call? What is their consequence? Before I explain this, I want us to understand that this consequence is exactly what they want. They are not getting anything they did not desire or love. It says they are eating the fruit of their wants. They are eating the fruit of their desires. They are eating the fruit of their love and their choices. Because what they get is rejection and judgment. We talk oftentimes about how our our culture around us talks oftentimes about how unfair it is that God would reject people who are really just kind of good at heart. God rejects people who reject him. They get the fruit of their wants. They get the fruit of their desires. Wisdom says, if they cry out to me after having rejected me, I will not answer. When the storms rage, when the disasters come, their waywardness will cause them to continue to turn their back on me. And I will reject them. You ever heard the statement, there are no atheists in foxholes? No, the point of that statement is, and as, as war rages around, even the person who claims to not believe that God is there is, is, is just curled up, trembling in the bottom of his or her foxhole saying, Oh God, I don't know if you're there, but please save me. There will come a point for that person where they can no longer expect God to answer. They can no longer expect wisdom to hear. Why? Because that's ultimately what they want. C.S. Lewis in his his little parable, the book-length parable called The Great Divorce, takes a picture of people in the afterlife who are presented with the presence of God and the glory of God. And in this parable, an unbiblical part of this parable is that they are given another chance, even after death, to respond. But even after death, confronted with the glory of God and the horrors of hell, they turn their back and over a period of eternity seek to continue to walk further and further and further away from God and the glory and the rest that He offers into the horrors of hell. That's the picture that wisdom gives us here. It says, you don't want me now. Be careful, you may not get me later. 
when you think you do. Brothers and sisters, the call is plain. Do we hear wisdom crying in the streets and calling us to turn and to repent, to walk away from our folly and to walk toward the fear of God? How do we choose? Thanks be to God that we don't have to choose hell any longer, that he has provided for us the ultimate way of wisdom in Jesus to where we, through the power of the spirit, can turn our back on folly and on hell and turn our face toward wisdom and heaven. Don't wait too long to answer that call. Wisdom cries to the simple, calling them to repentance, calling them to fear God. And wisdom lays out the consequences for rejecting and for accepting her call. In Joshua 24, Joshua is over 100 years old. We know he died at 110. He wandered with the Israelites for 40 years in the wilderness and led them into the promised land to hear and to, and to conquer the land. At the end of his life, at God's command, he gathered the people together to renew God's covenant with them. He reminded them of everything God had done for them. He reminded them of all the miracles and the signs and the wonders that they had seen, the conquering of the land, the provision in the wilderness, the plagues in Egypt. He reminded them of God's law. He reminded them of what God called them to do. And as he wraps all of this up, this hundred plus year old man looks out over the nation of Israel and he says this. He says, if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. The Israelites had a choice. They could follow the gods of the people that they had neglected to conquer and expel from the promised land. Or they could follow the Lord who had brought them into that land. But there were consequences for their choices. The consequence for following God, for serving and fearing the Lord, was a prosperous land that would always host them as its people. The consequences for choosing the gods of the Canaanites was ejection from the land and a life in exile. We have choices before us as well. We can choose to follow the clear clarion call of wisdom. Repenting of our sins and fearing the Lord. Or we can choose to love folly. To take pride in our folly. To take pride in our rejection of God. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Let us pray. Our God above, we do thank you for wisdom's call. For the reminder that we choose between fearing you or walking our own way. Help us to make the right choice. 
Help us to live the life of wisdom that is built on the fear of the Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.